What is up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is episode 160, our Texas Tech TCU recap. Not fun, but Texas Tech basketball preview. Fun. So, a lot for you guys this episode. Stick around for it. Uh, and make sure you're following us. Follow us on Apple and follow us on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the tailgate. Also, follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and you can also follow our YouTube channel. Follow that YouTube channel where we're posting clips from each week's show, including like our predictions for games and everything like that will be on there. So give our YouTube channel a follow. And lastly, if you have anything to add, comment or anything to the tailgate email us at tailgate talks pod at gmail.com and with the and last bit uh, we are powered by the nation want to make sure i get that in there uh powered by our friends over there so make sure you're following everything that they're doing there so with all of that said let's go ahead and get into our texas tech tcu recap we're gonna start this thing off right Well, Dustin, it was another frustrating Saturday as Texas Tech headed to uh, Lubbock East, as everybody likes to call it, Fort Worth, and it did not go. Uh, the way Red Raider fans wanted it to as the Red Raiders second half collapse ends in a 34-24 loss uh, to the TCU Horn Frogs in Fort Worth. Horn Frogs moved to 9-0 and on the season and you fall under 500 now at 4-5 and on the season. So uh, Dustin, just your initial reactions to what was another frustrating Saturday. Yeah, another frustrating loss, um, especially another one you felt like you were in it until the fourth quarter, and then you kind of collapsed. So that's like the frustrating part is now you've had back-to-back fourth quarter collapse type games, and it's not just like, oh, you just let them get a touchdown at the end to win it and lose by like a score. It's like, no, you collapse yeah. pretty Hard. terribly and let them win by <laughs> two or three touchdowns. I mean, we were up. Uh, what was it? Seventeen fourteen at the end of the yeah. third quarter, and then we let them pop off for twenty one straight points and three touchdowns. And next thing you know, we're down seventeen. And it's like f, and we never made a comeback from there. So, yeah, pretty frustrating. And then of course the quarterback injuries, um, revolving door. Yeah, keeps keeps burying its head. So that's another frustrating aspect of it too. Yeah, it, it, it's frustrating because in these last two games, you've competed through three quarters of the yeah. game, and then you get to that fourth quarter, and you just basically let the other team run away with it. Those aren't encouraging things. You need to figure out how to finish these games better, uh, be able to to figure out some offensive drives in the fourth, fourth quarter, uh, not late when the game's already out of hand. And so that's just kind of the frustrating part is you've done all the stuff – you know, first, second, third and quarter to give yourself a chance to win. And then you just completely fall apart. So um, once again, we're not going to go do a recap of this game. Uh, didn't want to rewatch yeah. that. Uh, maybe wanted to rewatch about the first three quarters and wish that it ended there. But 
um, kind of go through bits and pieces of this game at least. So, you know, we, we horrible start for the Red Raiders. You go three and out and then you punt it and they take it to the house. So that's how the game starts, but you're able to manage a 13 to 10 half at the half. What did you think as the Red Raiders were heading to halftime, Dustin, and uh, what was a pretty manageable game at the half? Yeah, I thought the defense did a great job. Um, held this quote-unquote high-flying TCU offense to six points on their side. Special teams got the touchdown. So it's going really well. Um, even throughout the whole game, the defense, especially in the red zone, was really freaking good. Like, Ben, don't break, give up field goal. Cool, we'll deal yeah. with that. Like, that's awesome. Like, they did a really good job, I thought. I thought they did a good job containing Max and Duggan, got pressure on him. But, I mean, yeah, good first half. I was happy to be – what was it? Were we up or down? I can't remember. We're down three, yeah. Me. Down three, yeah, yeah. I see it. But good defense, not so good on the offensive side, though. Like, starting – you should never start a game three and out. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, brutal first half. I thought you had that one. You had two good drives in there. Um, You had the one where you scored the touchdown, where you were you established the run. You had some big gains on the ground, yep. which opened up the pass. You, know, you connected to Jaron Bradley on a big pa- pass to score. Then after that, it was another kind of drive where you were running the football well that got you down the field. So yeah. uh, some nice spurts, but... Ultimately, you 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 kind of fall in love with this weird quarterback option on third and longs, and Barron Holy comes cow. up injured after one of those, which uh, I thought was just one of the stupidest things I've seen a Texas Tech offensive coordinator do. Like, if it's third and short, it makes sense, but we we ran I think an option on third three third and at least yards of eight or more. Uh, we ran a quarterback option with very brittle quarterbacks. <laughs> Yeah, like Barron's not your super athlete type mobile quarterback. Like he's mobile enough to play quarterback, but he's not your runner type yeah. Lamar Jackson type guy. Like even Donovan Smith could do that stuff better than Barron. And we kept trying to force it and put Barron in weird spots for that to make him an option type quarterback. And it's not like we ran it like just like a couple of times we ran it like what, like six or seven yeah, times it was a lot. early on. Like that was our like go-to like run play all of a sudden. And there, like there was a couple nice plays on it there. I think there was one nice little sure. option. I got a first on it, but it was like, Oh, that worked. Now we have to do this every single time. <laughs> I think we went back to it way too much. Cause like by the, like I can't remember like fourth or fifth time, like they had it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easily. And yet, and you're running it with, uh, Baron Morton, who's already twisted an ankle in a game this season. Yeah. And Tyler Shuck, who every time he runs the ball comes up with a broken collarbone. So like yeah. shout out to Tyler Shuck for, you know, not breaking a collarbone this game after running it several times, but uh, kind of baffling decisions there. There was one crazy sequence that I did want to discuss here in the first half on that <laughs> yeah. the downs thing. It had tech Twitter, all, uh, oh, all yeah. sorts of crazy. It had everybody kind of crazy. It was a very bizarre sequence. Um, and we went back and watched it. We posted a little breakdown of what happened. And so if you're watching TV and you're not like super locked in on what's going on, you know, there's a pass to JJ Sparkman on the on the sideline. He makes the catch 
and it spotted a yard short of where the first down marker was. So on TV, they mark it as second down and one. And yeah, then, I thought he was short yeah, too. It, you definitely were. And then you're thinking it's second and one. You run a nice little play to pick up that first down. Honestly, should have scored on that play, but JJ got a nice open tackle, knocked him down. And so now you're thinking it's first down. You have a false start that sets you back. That was frustrating. But all of a sudden now it's showing second down. Um, and then you run two plays and you're kicking a field goal. So everybody thinks that we just got screwed and that we kicked a field goal there on third down. Well, went back and rewatched it. If you watch closely, that J.J. Sparkman pass, they gave him the first down on there and then spotted him a yard short of it. So that's where every all the confusion happened was that was a, indeed a first down. The next play ran. TV screwed it up. Yeah, TV screwed it up. Um, but the officials didn't do a good job. I didn't think any. I didn't see anybody signal a first down. Um, no. And so that's where it was all confusing. And then you know, on top of that, uh, you your first play after that kind of you ran it in a package that felt like the coaching staff thought you didn't have a first down. So, Dustin, your whole thoughts on that? One of one of the little most bizarre things I've seen in a while. Um, but I guess typical for big 12 games <laughs> it was weird because the first sparkman pass looked short yeah and so we automatically thought it was second or third down whatever and then the play action play got us a first down and in reality the tv screwed it up there was already first down that was the first play and the false start was second down i fell into the trap of it too because i mean i don't have anything else to go off of yeah. but what i was watching so felt like it sucked but nobody on our coaching staff was flipping out. So you got to look back on it and be like, well, they knew on the field. So it's all good. Yeah. Hopefully they knew. Um, still that play that they ran didn't look like they knew kind of that, that it looked like they were trying to pick up a yard on that one play, but who knows? Maybe that was the play call, but very, very bizarre yeah. sequence. Wanted to kind of run through that real quick, but For sure. there you go. In the second half, you grab the lead. Tyler Shuck takes over at the quarterback yeah. position. One of his, maybe his only nice pass of the day, he hits J.J. Sparkman on a really nice pass, really nice catch by J.J., and you go up 17-13. So at this point, you're feeling good. Your defense gets a big yeah. fourth down stop. You get the ball back and, you know, unable to do anything there, but ultimately comes to a big play where TCU has the ball. Tyree Wilson makes an incredible play, an incredible sack, and a ghost face yes. mask is called. Uh, one where Tyree clearly had the shoulder pad, um, but yeah. you know Dugan's head kind of rips in that way. So the refs, you know, make one of their uh, few bad calls of this game that go TCU's way. And after that, that's kind of where the game just falls apart for you. TCU goes and scores. You fail to convert on a fourth. TCU scores again. Game's over. So I uh, wanted to pause at that moment because it was a bad yes. call, and it definitely changed the way the game yes. goes. Now you got to be better. And you can't just completely fall apart. But Dustin, what were your thoughts on this kind of like sequence of events that happened here that end up kind of sparking this TCU run? Yeah, that's a huge missed call. Um, because yeah, such a big sack to go have them on third and long. They're yeah. either kicking a field goal or trying to fourth down attempt again. And yeah, phantom face mask that sets you back. And I think they were in th their own territory, so I think they were going to probably have to punt it unless they got. Like a yeah, huge amount remember. of yards. I don't have it pulled up anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, he ducked into the tackle, and the hand, like, it was more like a fist, like, hit the face mask. 
but then slid off to the shoulder pad. Like he never had an open hand yeah. grabbing a face mask. So I don't know what they thought they saw that they had to call that, but that really, yeah, that took all the wind out of your sails kind of situation. And then you, you kind of never recovered from it, which sucks. Yeah. That's the sucky part is, you know, you, this team that they've preached, like you're, they kind of preach that they bounce off of this, but you know, really that was kind of the defining play of the game. And sure. You want, you want the refs to get that call, right? Yeah. Like they don't need to fall for just a quarterback doing this to his head. Um, like obviously that, you know, the quarterback's trying to sell that play right there. Um, and they, sure. they fell for it and that ends up kind of really changing the game. Um, and TCU goes on from there, just kind of takes over, ends up going up um, 34-17 on us before we're able to kind of get a late, you know, garbage time touchdown. Um, so uh, tough, tough game, tough Saturday, tough for all Tech fans with, you know, the cactus theme going on and and really wanting this game versus TCU. The and band even did it. Yeah, band even did it. It was, uh, and you were in that game and then you just kind of fall apart. So. One of the major topics from this game was the offensive struggles. Obviously, Barron leaving the game didn't help, but after that, it um, it did not look great with Tyler Shuck at the helm. So uh, here's some stats from the game. Barron Morton was uh, set 7 for 10 for 79 yards and one TD before leaving with his injury. Tyler Shuck came in and replaced him, went 9 for 22 for 78 yards uh, and one touchdown, had one interception, but he also did have one touchdown on the ground. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks combined for 105 yards and 18 carries, only 18 carries from them. Um, Cameron Valdez came in there on that last drive. He had 71 yards on three plays on that yeah. one drive. It was nice to see him out there. Jaron Bradley, two receptions, 54 yards. He was your leading receiver on the day. J.J. Sparkman had three for 26 and a touchdown. Uh, Tyree Wilson was, you did feel his impact in this game, eight tackles and two and a half for loss. So uh, those were our yeah. stats from the game. But offensive struggles, Dustin, what are your thoughts and where's your head at on Zach Hitley in this offense and, and kind of like where we go from here? Because it really felt like, um, you know, fan base is kind of starting to turn on him a little bit. We're not really yeah. sure what we're getting from him. He's not very consistent. So uh, just kind of go in on where your, your head's at with Kitley. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it, man. I mean, the kind of ditching the run when that's been our best asset all year, it's kind of amazing. Um, I think we only had 18 rushes with our running backs. Yep. Um, or our two big, big, big dogs. Um, and we threw in that option play that we fell in love with for some reason that got figured out pretty fast. But yeah, he like falls falls out of love with what's working on the the run game and like yeah like we said like that first touchdown drive it was run 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 little hesitation not even like a real play action and then got a good op- over the middle like pass and it's like look what the run set up for you that whole drive and it's like you fall in love with it and can only throw it even with you know baron morton you know he gets hurt and then you got whatever Shuck gives you and whatever Donovan can give you. It's not very, I don't think he's using the best parts of our team and the best players and what they can do at that time. You know, now we've had back to back, very terrible offensive performances. 
And like the fourth quarter, I want to go back to that. Like we're collapsing there. I mean, we've been outscored 70 to 7 against basically like the top four teams of the Big 12. Like TCU, Baylor, Oak State, Kansas State. 70 to 7 in the fourth quarter. Oh, good. The seven is the part I want to focus on. Yeah. You're not scoring any, and you're trying to go for the fourth down. That's when you've had some untimely interceptions that either yeah. lead to points or whatever. Like the 70s a little inflated because of that, but you're not helping your defense out at all. No. In the four- you're, ba- you're basically not playing the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that seven was that bullshit garbage time touchdown at the very end of the TCU game. Like that's your Just seven. Now, yeah. And you were already out of it at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know where my head's at on Kitley. I still think he's a young coordinator who's still kind of learning this. Like, this is his first year against Power 5 team and Power 5 coordinators consistently. So, I think there's going to be some lumps on the road. Like, I'm not – we have to fire him or anything like that. I definitely think there's some cause for concern right now because I I do think he kind of falls into – Yeah, he's got to adapt better. I think he's very inconsistent. Like, what's working for you all of a sudden? Like, running game has – like really been there all, all season long. Like Sir Roderick and Taj, when they get opportunities, like they're taking yeah. advantage of them and you're just not using them. They're t- your two best offensive players, I think, and you're not using them. And maybe even Cam- Cameron Valdez is a player who deserves to get some playing time now that he's back and healthy. But you just don't give them carries. 18 car- carries between these two guys when they set up your basically best drives of the game is kind of embarrassing. And you keep wanting to run it with your quarterbacks. Like get it out of their fucking hands and get it to the guys who are running backs, <laughs> run the ball with them. Like, that's the frustrating part for me. Yeah, like, once again, like, he falls in love with passing the ball so much, but our passing yeah. numbers are mediocre still. Yeah. They're not good. <laughs> and when you're struggling, and the, obviously the pass wasn't there kind of in the second half once Shuck came in, you're just not running the ball any. Like, you're not – yeah, you weren't really trying it. it. I don't get the mixed match of it. It just constantly feels like he he's passing it in running situations. He's running it in passing situations like – I just don't really understand. And then you get to some of these fourth down calls. Like the, I'm so fucking tired of the quarterback draw with Donovan Smith that everybody in the, the building same play every time, everybody knows it's the call and you still, you're, you're, you know, you line up in shotgun on a fourth and short. So you're already making it a fourth and longer. And then he catches the ball and does the hesitation while all the defense yeah, it's always is a delayed, there. delayed run. And, and so those are the calls that are baffling. Like I, I, I get the analytical thing. Like we're obviously going to do it. We've been doing it yes. all season long. And like, all right, if you've been watching us, that's. The- I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Probably, yeah. And they asked, they asked me, like, "What do you think of the whole fourth down and like analytical stuff?" I'm like, "I like it. I like the concept and the philosophy of it. I don't like the execution and the play call." Yeah. Of it. You got to get the play call right, and you're not. That you're sometimes you're in the big moments. You're not getting the play call right. You're being a little predictable, and then there's some awareness from your quarterbacks that they seem to lack. Like, like Tyler Shuck on the play before that fourth down. You know, he decides to chunk a long pass when he had two yards to gain, uh, and had a clear path, and and probably could have got like ten or something yards on that. But said decides to loft one up twenty thirty yards down the field, and then. You know, on the Donovan play where he decides to hesitate, he has Taj Brooks streaking out wide open for two yards, and instead of just making the correct play, got to stick to stick to the uh, quarterback draw 
And so that's that's the problem. Analytics doesn't account for bad play calling and bad execution. (laughs) Um, And that's more what it was, even though Gus Johnson was losing his mind like he's never heard of analytics before yet. He's called football for the last, you know, ever since analytics came into the game. So um, any little other tidbits here on the game that you kind of wanted to discuss um, before we move on to revisit our predictions and move on to happier things? Definitely not. Predictions went better. Let's get into that. Yeah, predictions on for this week. So Dustin got a one in the right column this week. He had predicted three sacks. You were originally going to predict four. I was going to go four, so we had that. And if you were going to stick with that, yeah, defense had four sacks, so Dustin gets his defensive stat right. I had us holding TCU to under 200 yards rushing. I thought that was already giving us a cushion. They did not. They had over 200 yards rushing. <laughs> Um, so that did not go well. Uh, offensively, I had a running back getting over 150 yards, but as we talked about, Zach Kelly doesn't like to use our best players, and so neither running back uh, got close to surpassing that number. Um, Dustin had Barrett's having a bounce back game, uh, but he left injured, so kind of f me on that. Kind of nullifies whatever that was. Um, uh, but at that point in the game. He was still far off from reaching that 300-yard day. Yeah. He would have needed a really big second half to do that. Um, in our score predictions, Dustin had Tech winning 41-38. I had us losing 42-31, so an unfortunate but you know closely correct prediction there by me. I, I kind of felt yeah. – I've had a good feeling on some of these games, and unfortunately I had this one being uh, – Closer, not because of us getting a garbage time TD, but because of TCU scoring late. So, um, so that yeah, let's get that bad taste out of our mouth. Uh, another tough loss, We're but we hope that the, uh, they bounce back with a game against Kansas. So we'll discuss that later on in the week. Be, uh, pay attention, follow us, and catch our Kansas preview that'll be coming on maybe Thursday or Friday this week. We'll we'll see when we get that posted, but. It's time for Texas Tech basketball season. They tip off Monday night, so let's go over to the hardwood and break down some Texas Tech basketball. All right, college basketball season starts Monday night. Tonight, as you're listening to this, the college basketball season is underway and Texas Tech and year two of the Mark Adams era is set to begin. So, Dustin, just kind of before uh, we get into our 10 questions for the season, let's kind of do a little roster breakdown right quick. And then uh, for everybody, we've got 10 questions that we're asking for uh, this basketball season. So uh, first off, let's just start with the roster. Um, and take it kind of we've got three little categories here we got the returners the transfers and the freshmen Um, and that sums up your roster so Dustin starting off the returners the guys who have been here the guys who understand Mark Adams and what he wants from you and have returned for their second stint with coach Adams that's Kevin O'Banner the super senior he's returned for his final season of college basketball Daniel Bacho who we got last year as a transfer from Arizona returns for his second year and KJ Allen friend of the show, uh, comes back yeah. for his second year. So your thoughts on this group, this core of returners who understand the system and what they bring to the team. I love this move for Kevin O'Banner the most. I mean, coming back for his plus one season, COVID year, whatever you want to call it, because he came in last year as this big-time shooter, but maybe the 
transition to some bigger, bigger stadiums, better, better defenses kind of limited him a little bit, but he started to break out a little more at the end of the year. Um, but he also showed flashes of good defense and great rebounding. So I expect him to kind of make that transition a lot better this year, being way more familiar with the big 12 and the big leagues kind of type situation. Um, KJ obviously keeps working on his body in the offseason, so he's looking good. Uh, I'm excited to see how we utilize him. Um, and then Daniel Bacha is kind of like our X factor this year. Everything out of the last like month or so has been like, hey, he is a freak and a great player right now, and he's going to contribute a lot to our team. And he already did a lot last year, I thought. So, man, whatever he can bring extra, like he's going to be a great mismatch for a lot of – for us against a lot of teams. Yeah. I think you bring back three guys who you can be really excited about. Like we, we all saw, and we all know what Kevin O'Banner can do when he's at the peak of his game. Everybody saw him play for yeah. Oral Roberts on that awesome tournament run that they had when they were a 15 seed. Um, we saw him last year in the tournament and we saw him in big games time and time again, come up huge. Um, I think this year is going to be great for him because you've seen him he's he's slimmed down even more he looks even more like like a guy that'd be reckoned with down low uh and then he's gonna have some guys who can get him the ball and get him some open shots i think not having a point guard really did kind of hinder some of the things he's good at because we had a really hard time getting them open looks and if you got guys who can help create those open looks for him it should be a lot better like you said about daniel bacho like the it feels like his ceilings through the roof this year that everybody yeah. is talking about him and and the impact that he has and the improvements he's made from year one here to year two. They were talking NBA and all those things. So you're excited to see uh, what he brings to the table. And then, yeah, KJ, you're not really sure where he fits in yet. Um, yeah, you know, you saw the potential from time to time. You know the extreme yeah. athleticism that he brings. And, and he's definitely worked on his body and he's got in shape. And so you kind of expect him to try to find some time here early on when you're playing these cupcake games to kind of figure out a role for him. But uh, a bunch of guys that you got to be really excited about, you know, to keep that, um, you know, they understand the system. They understand what Mark Adams wants from them and they can kind of yep. be the leaders, right? Uh, leaders for right. these other guys. So the next group, the transfers, an exciting group of transfers as we're getting accustomed to here at Texas Tech University. Uh, another good crop. We've got Jalen Tyson. And while he could kind of fit in with the returners, we saw him playing him. Uh, seen him play, yeah. I like him play, seen history. him play for Tech yet, so he still goes under that transfer uh, tag. Fardaz Amac, of course, the big Maple, the guy we've all heard about and can't wait to see. We'll have to wait a little longer for him, unfortunately. Davion Harmon, a player we're all familiar with here at Texas Tech, as he used to play for Oklahoma. Kerwin Walton, the knockdown three-point shooter from North Carolina, and Demarion Williams, the kind of guy who fell through the cracks from Garner Webb who transferred to us when I don't think anybody was expecting his name to be said, but Hey, another guy, you've heard a lot about him. So Dustin, this transfer class, what are your thoughts about all these names that I just mentioned and what they bring to the table? Texas tech does it again in the transfer portal, bringing in lots of big time talent. Uh, you got a big, the best big on the market and Fardaz. I mean, you got a great one last year and Jalen, um, everybody's really high on him going into yeah. this year. And then you brought in shooting, which Mark Adams knows, like, I need shooting. I can teach the defense. We'll be a top 10 defense with me. Um, but we need shooting. And Kerwin, Davion, DeMorian, you needed 
ball handling, which is another yeah. low light of last year. So you brought in great transfers to fill your holes at high levels of stuff. Um, and some of these guys have played high level basketball. I mean, we mentioned uh, Davion go being at Oklahoma and Oregon. Kerwin's at North Carolina who just made a run in Nash championship. I mean, you bring in some guys and Jalen even, you know, at that university down South for a semester. So you've got guys that have been at big programs before too. So the lights aren't too big. Stadiums aren't too big for them. So love the transfer additions. Yeah. And they fill all the holes that you're kind of needing to be replaced from last year's team to this year's. Davion fills that much needed point guard role that we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, Kerwin and Demarion fill those shooting roles and, and kind of those yeah. versatile def- defenders at the guard position that you've lost from Davion uh, Warren and, and Adonis Arms. And then, yeah, Jalen Tyson can kind of be your 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 both sides player where he's doing it on the defensive side of the floor and he's doing it on the offensive side of the floor. From everything you've heard about him is that he's going to be a, he's going to be a scorer at all levels and you have the benefit of him. Yeah having been around last year's team as he transferred early, got here and, you know, already Love knows that. Mark Adams style and system that he's going to be playing in. So he's well involved in that. And then, yeah, Fardaz, uh, we're all excited for him kind of trying to fill that Bryson Williams role that uh, we all yep. loved so much last year. He's got a uh, big, uh, big shoulders to fill big role to fill there. Uh, and hopefully he can get healthy, but yeah, a great group of guys here. You can't wait to watch them play and, you know, several of these guys could become more of those one one and done players here that, you know, Texas Tech adopts as Red Raiders for life. So excited to see them all put it on the floor. And then the last group here, the freshmen, um, probably your your highest, most tighted, uh, touted freshman class since probably what the, the Jemias Ramsey class or or maybe even the uh, Micah, Micah PV and. Uh, I think predict- this is still better. Uh, but yeah, you got your first five star in there. So those freshmen, Elijah Fisher, uh, Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington, and then CJ Williams, who was just kind of a walk on, but wanted to at least get his name in there. So, Dustin, your expectations for a very fascinating group of freshmen? Yeah, fascinating freshmen is a great way to put it. I mean, Elijah Fisher, five star out of Canada that you bring in, he's one of the best you've ever had high school kids recruit wise coming in. Um, Paul pop was one of the first ones we got in this class. I believe and everybody's really excited for him and Lamar Washington, man, he is, I, I'm kind of excited for him and what he can bring. they say he is light years ahead of like being a freshman basically. So, and those three guys have a great chance to play quite a bit too. Um, so their, their expectations are up and yeah. high. So that's, and I think that's a good thing, even though like this is probably the youngest class or the youngest team we've had uh, with the last two coaches, you know, since we've kind of gotten back to being good. Um, So that'll be a little different for us. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but these guys are going to be impact freshmen. Yeah. That's the fun part is you're, they're going to be thrown into the fire and you might expect maybe one yeah. or two of them to start for you in some games. Like it, it kind of remains to be seen. We don't know what yeah. the starting lineup's going to look like, but we've heard rumors that pop Pop's shown the ability that he could start there along Davion Harmon. Um, I'm sure, uh, you know, Eliza Fisher as being your highest recruit ever uh, has definitely probably, and, and the athleticism he brings the ability to finish uh, and score at all levels is something that to look at. And yeah, Lamar, Lamar Washington is probably the underrated one compared to where these guys were ranked in like the yeah. uh, their recruiting class. But 
he's played a lot of really good ball. He's played against a lot of these best players. He was on these like AAU teams that were playing in big time tournaments and he looked the part when uh, you got to see some film from him. He looks the part, sweet little left-hand jump jump shot. He's going to be able to score. He's going to be able to create for other players. I would expect to see him uh, running point several times for you throughout this season. So a very good group of freshmen here that I'm very excited to see. Uh, And hopefully, you know, they they look the part, uh, as we've heard a lot of people saying that they will, and they become big parts for you this season. Um, So, yeah, and last – player to discuss here uh and sorry just kind of left him out of that freshman group uh robert jennings dustin pointed it out to me real quick but yeah robert jennings another incoming freshman that you know kind of uh seems seems a little unknown what he's going to do what do you think about robert jennings and kind of what you might expect to see from him this season yeah another big body he's the the mark adams prototype six seven two twenty five kind of forward that can shoot a little bit so he's gonna be like that switchable forward out there another impact freshman for you i'm excited for him a lot i mean i think he's kind of not fun under the radar but like pop pop and fisher and lamar kind of getting a little more of the praise i feel like but i think jennings has a chance to be something special yeah he he fits that frame and that build of a guy like you're gonna want to see him get on the floor because of that his his size his athleticism like he's gonna find some time and you might not necessarily see a whole lot of minutes here um, this season, but it's kind of what yeah. he can do with those minutes. And, and who knows, maybe he can find himself earning more uh, playing hard. We love good defense. We love rebounding and all those kind of things here. And so if he can provide that, then yeah, he's going to be just another name of this freshman class that you can look for and be excited about what their future is here in a red Raider uniform. So with yeah. all of that, now we've got the roster broken down. Let's discuss our 10 questions for the season. We have gone through, asked 30, we have 10 questions uh, for this season. So we're going to go through, discuss each one of these, and then uh, end this week's episode. So first question of our 10 questions, it's year two of the Mark Adams era at Texas Tech. Year one, very successful, sweet 16 appearance, swept Texas, swept Baylor, um, Undefeated undefeated at home. What are your expectations for year two of the Mark Adams era here at Texas Tech, Dustin? Yeah, there's no pumping the brakes in year two. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he raised his own expectations because year one, we didn't have much of expectations, honestly, because we didn't know what we were bringing in, who we had, uh, how the team would fit. And now we're no like, oh, Mark Adams didn't skip a beat from when the other guy left us. So the expectations are just as high or higher than ever with all these, you know, talented freshmen and transfers that we have. I mean, I would expect us to try to compete for a big 12 championship, even though that's going to be very difficult. Um, Great home season, like usual. That's what we preach um, here and another top 10 defense um, with this crew. Yeah, I would think the expectations are equal to last year's, but I think it's, as important to keep the momentum building as it was from last year's team. Like, you know, there a lot of the guys like Goodman and stuff like that expected there to be a drop off from beard to Adams. Well, Mm -hmm. you didn't see that drop off. Well, I think it's as important to not show drop off this season as well. Really keep it going. You know, a lot of those guys from the carryover year are gone. You know, it's a whole new batch of guys, whole new batch of transfers, whole new batch of freshmen. But to me, it's as important to keep this team 
as competitive as it was last year, you know, continue to dominate and have one of the best home courts in the nation. I think that's important. Um, Staying competitive in the big 12 at the top of the big 12 conference. Like you said, it's going to be tough to compete for that championship this year because uh, the top of the big 12 is so stacked as usual, but you want to remain at the top to keep guys wanting to come to Texas tech to keep building on the success of that year one and just hopefully start stacking success as we've seen uh, this basketball team do before with other coaches. Now it's Mark Adams turn to stack year one and year two and just keep going from there. You keep showing that you can be a team that can make it to the second weekend in the tournament. Uh, you're going to yep. keep getting players. You're going to want to come play and compete here. And who knows the big 12 conference in a couple of years could be even more <laughs> deadly than it already yeah. is. Speaking of the big 12, that leads us right into our second question. Big 12 expectations for this season, Dustin. We were predicted that five spot right around the middle of the conference. What are your expectations for us? Yeah, so we're tied for fifth. So basically you're saying top six there, top half of the conference. Baylor and Kansas going to fight for that top spot. Texas got a vote. TCU's above you. Oklahoma State tied with you. Um, I think this team is – and we just talked about the breakdown. I think this team is more talented uh, all around than we've ever had in the last handful of years. Yeah. Uh, now you got to make that work in the next few months to by February and March be rolling at your peak. But I think we could be in that top three of this uh, Big 12. I think we're in that three to four range. Obviously, that's still very hard to do. Yeah. Um, you got to win, try to win all your home games. And still a couple on the road here and there. Uh, and obviously, like Baylor, Kansas, down south, they're super hard places to play. And even like Iowa State and West Virginia, I picked at the bottom of the conference. Tough places to play. You get no off days. We always say that to everybody coming to the Big 12. There's no off days in the Big 12. So I, I expect this to go over the fifth or sixth place that we're picked at right now and be more like third or fourth. Yeah, I think there's definitely definitely reason to believe that you can be, I think, the third best team in this conference. Um, I think I think Baylor is going to be really dang good, and I think Kansas is always going to yes. be right there. So there's no shame in that. But I think that's a realistic expectation for this team. You've got a lot of pieces, um, and you haven't seen them all playing together. But if they're, you know, from all things that we've heard, this team really loves each other. It looks like they get along quite well. Uh, if things go right for this team, it, it should be really good. You got freshmen who don't really know fear yet, right? Who are coming in and all right. they've known is is good things. And so that can be a benefit for you if they come in and they don't care about the road games or stuff like that. Um, you, you have a really high ceiling if everything goes according to plan. But of course, like if, if things are a struggle, if the freshmen struggle at times, if uh, it doesn't mesh quite as well, uh, you can find yourself struggling, but I still think this is a team where if if even things kind of go wrong, this is still about a five or six place team in the conference because I just think your yeah. talent is that good. Um, and um, last thing on that, looking at the schedule, because I always like to look at things and see how it stacks up. You have a pretty favorable Big 12 schedule, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you start at TCU and then Kansas at home early. You're only like – back-to-back road games are early and it's in the same week at Iowa state and then at Texas. So at least the second one of that's close and going to be a very hyped up game. Right. 
then after that, you just bounce back and forth, back and forth. Um, even the at LSU game is stacked in between two home games. Um, you're at Baylor, at Oklahoma State is, you know, four days apart. That's, that's easy to deal with. Um, so you get a favorable schedule, I feel like. So that's – and then, like, you're at West Virginia, at Oklahoma, Oklahoma not super hard teams yeah. there, you know. There's not so you got you got lucky, I think, with with how that kind of fell for you. Yeah, there's not like the gauntlet that you kind of had last year, where you had Texas, Baylor, right. Kansas, like Iowa State, yeah. all of them like in a row, and uh, and so there's right. not really. Yeah, look, I was about to go with on that too. Like you're not playing, you know, four or five top twenty five teams back to back to back to back. Yeah, I mean, you have a Texas Baylor there. I mean, that's like your hardest stretch right there is at Iowa State, at Texas, and then Baylor just because you have road, road, and another 25 team. Like, that's your hardest stretch right there. Yep. You don't have like four in a row or four out of five. That's crazy hard like you did a couple of times the last few years. Yeah, there's definitely reason to believe that you can definitely string a lot of wins together while you're looking at this conference schedule, uh, favorable home schedule. Uh, you're always going to take this team at home. You know, hopefully this team can continue the tradition that the team did last year of just winning yeah. all of those games. Um, but yeah, so excited for a Big 12 season as always. It's always fun. It's always stressful. Um, but yeah, you, oh, of course. you build a lot out of it. You find out kind of what your team's made of early on in the Big 12 season. Uh, tournament season. Uh, it's a big season of tournaments for the Red Raiders as we are headed to Maui, the Maui Invitational. Uh, and then, of course, you know, NCAA tournament expectations at the end of this season as well. So, Dustin, let's kind of start off with the Maui as this being a huge tournament for the Red Raiders, a huge opportunity early on in the season. Uh, question number three is just what, what are your expectations for Maui and and how we, how we think of Texas Tech after what's going to be a, a really fun, highly competitive tournament? Yeah, so I have a weird answer to this question, I think. I don't have any expectations for this yeah. tournament. Okay, it's very early on. I mean, we're playing in like two weeks. Um, and you get number nine Creighton to start with. Yeah. Who just got like the best transfer shooter in this uh, transfer class and has a great roster coming back. And then if you win or lose, you might end up playing t- number 10 Arkansas the next game. <laughs> or or Louisville team, um, so and Arizona's on the other side of that bracket. So there's five top twenty five teams in this pool. Um, it's loaded. Obviously, I don't have expectations right now because what we do now is not what we're going to be doing in yeah January, February, March. Uh, you know, we're going to try to get as many guys minutes and see what they can do, especially against high level talent like. You're trying to win games, but you're not trying to win at all costs like you will like in the Big 12 kind of thing. Um, it'll be more of seeing who can do what against competition like this. So I don't have expectations. I just want to see what we can do. Um, obviously, compete well. Yeah. Don't go in there and get get your doors knocked off by Creighton or Arkansas, you know. So that's just what I'm kind of expecting. It's just a, a look-and-see tournament. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to get a chance to play, I think, three games at least here because you get your first game, win or lose, you get the loser's bracket, and, and from there, there there's a you know seventh, eighth place game. So you get 
you get a chance to kind of figure out what your team's going to be real early here, or not going to be, but how they stack up against some of the best teams in the country. Because like you said, Creighton, Louisville, Arkansas, Ohio State, San Diego State, Cincinnati, Arizona. That's a that's a mm. packed, packed tournament. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing to do in this is kind of like you said, just not really have any expe- expectations, kind of enjoy it. Realize that Fardaz isn't here right now. He's not playing for us. Right. Um, that's a big piece. And so that you get that added on later into the season, but it's a chance for guys like Bacho and Kevin O'Banner to step up. Some of your younger guys, it's their first opportunity to play real competition. And so you kind of see what these freshmen are going to all be about once they play, uh, play the big boys. And so it's just going to be a really unique opportunity to, to see your team playing in these kind of high level games early on and use that experience, build on it for later in the NCAA yeah. tournament um, where they understand tournament seedings, how it goes, how you're playing these kind of games. Um, and so tournament expectations, Dustin, for this season, kind of where where's your head at on uh, NCAA t- tournament seeding round? Do you expect this Red Raider team to make it if you had to predict right now? Yeah, I want us to get into that second weekend, obviously. Um, I think Sweet 16 is a good expectation for this team. I think it's very doable. Um, I could see us even getting one more win out of that. Uh, it kind of just depends on matchup from there. I mean, we were a few possessions away from beating Duke last year and getting one step further. Yeah. So, uh, Mark Adams can definitely coach at that level. We know that. Um, so, I expect at least a second weekend Sweet 16 run for this team. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we've got the expectations to. And I think that's a fair expectation to have is, uh, you know, I want to see this team make it to the second weekend. And then, like you said, once you get there, you can just kind of throw it up and see what happens. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's I think, like we said, if everything goes right, this is definitely a team that should be kind of making a deep tournament run. If if everything goes well with the, the players you got coming back, the transfers and the youth on this team. Uh, can be a very versatile team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. So um, excited for that. I- I'm with you on that. I, you know, I think Sweet 16 um, is kind of where I have this team pegged. And once you get to that point, uh, you know, who knows what really happens? Like you said, you're just a yeah. few possessions away from knocking off Duke and Coach K last year. So um, I think those are reasonable expectations I have. So let's move on to question four. Now we kind of dive into our roster a little bit more. We, we, you know, we broke down the roster a little bit, kind of gave our thoughts, but we'll kind of get some deeper insights on this question. Number four, last year we didn't have a point guard on the team, a true point <laughs> guard. What is having true point guards on this roster mean for the season? Yeah, that's Davion Harmon. That's Pop Isaacs possibly some Lamar Washington in there. What is that going to mean for this team moving forward this season? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, we ended up having Adonis Arm be our bring the ball up type player last year. I'm not going to say point guard because that's not what he is. Yeah. Point um, Adonis. We didn't have a guy who could facilitate an offense and bring the ball up comfortably last year. And that really hurt us, especially early on. Um, so now we have two guys that we feel very confident in. Even our other guards that are out there, like we feel confident in a lot. Our our ball handling should be a lot better this year for sure. Um, so that means a lot for bringing the ball up, getting the offense set, and then facilitating things. Like we said, we have a lot better options this year with O'Banner, Bacho, Fardos, Jalen, um, Kerwin, Davion. Like 
get them the ball and let them work um, rather than try this ISO type game or whatever we kind of did last year. So I think it's a lot better for us overall in the offense for sure. Yeah, I, I don't realize, you know, I think a lot of people are going to realize the difference it means to have a guy mm-hmm. who's, you know, whose whole life has been a point guard and can go out there and create shots for other people and get people uh, open looks where they want them, where get yeah. Kevin O'Banner, those corner threes that he's so good at, or those shots out on the wing, um, get guys open, get Kerwin Walton, those open looks, get guys the ball where they want it get Fardaz the ball down low get Bacho the ball down low where they want it right there so they can put it in the basket like that's going to make a huge difference to have multiple guys who can go out there uh control it against the press not freak out you know late game situations we saw us you know almost lose Baylor um twice because we you know our guys weren't comfortable controlling the ball against the press so you know you know you you might get some more. You might still have those turnovers because you do have younger guys and, and guys trying to create uh, for their players. But it's going to be much more controlled turnovers, and I feel like your offense is going to be more stable. And you're not going to have those nine minute droughts where you just can't create a shot for anybody, can't get an open look. That you're going to have much more open, um, open looks and open offense with these guys. Yeah, and the Steve Green offenses that I've seen in SPC that have been the best ones or when we have a, had a true point guard that can facilitate really well. So I know he as the kind of offensive guy on this staff likes having at least two options of that to help facilitate and not go on multiple minute droughts with no points. Yeah. That, those are things that you hope are in the past that were a last season thing that you don't have to deal with anymore as well as creating open looks. Maybe you can shoot the ball better when you don't have uh, dudes in your face all the time. So, um, yeah. looking for big things from our point guards this season, uh, and, and hopefully that they can help our offense out. One of our favorite things to discuss here, our fifth question, uh, me and Dustin's one of our favorite all time players for Texas tech, Brandon Francis. Uh, yeah. we loved, he loved him, especially in that national championship season. Cause he could come off, come off the bench, go drop, uh, you know, play great defense for you, hit some threes, just kind of did whatever the team needed him to do. So this is our sixth man, a.k.a. our Brandon Francis of the team. Dustin, who's your guy for that this year? Yeah, I had to get this question in. wanted to get Brandon Francis, you know, in the show. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, I think it's a good, like, name for, for that because we've had a great sixth man the last few years. Uh, Brandon was one, and then – Silva last uh, year. Yeah, it's like it's a very important role. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of great teams and NBA teams that have their six man's a great player. I'm gonna go with Kerwin Walton, okay. my Brandon Francis six man. One because his name is cool. He's got cool hair. Like, got he the looks the part. Yeah. All right, and then he can shoot. And space the spacing on the floor should be better this year. And he can shoot, sit in the corner, sit on the wing bang some a couple threes out for you in crunch time, um, be clutch for you. And he's played North Carolina, you know, set a freshman three-point record over there. So he's got to play on the big stage before too. So I think him coming off the bench to give you some spark, um, he could be that six-man yeah. offensive type player for you. I've got kind of two guys pegged here, and one of it is just because Fardaz isn't going to be in until about Big 12 season. So I think yeah. one of those guys who's going to be a starter at the start of the season is going to go to the bench. So I think Daniel Bacho, by the time sure. um, Fardaz is back, if Fardaz 
you know, if we're just kind of going off the fact that we think once he's back, he's takes over that starting role. I think Bacho kind of becomes your first guy off the bench there. Uh, he might not yeah. exactly be the Brandon Francis type player, but I think he can be that sixth man who's coming off the bench and filling in big minutes for you, um, you know, early and often in some of these games, especially if you have one of your big guys get in foul trouble early. Like he can be that guy who's going to come in uh, and be a good sixth man for you. My other guy, I think maybe early on in the season, I'm going to go with Lamar Washington. Um, nice. I think he's going to be like the way everybody's talked about him. He's going to be used a lot. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to find a lot of time playing a lot of different positions. I think, I think he's kind of one of those do it all guys who can come in and fill kind of whatever role you're needing to, if he needs to come in be a ball handler, be a wing, be a defender. I think he can be that guy. So I think you're going to see a lot from him. Um, and I think, you know, he can kind of solidify that role for himself. Yeah, those are good picks. Bacho, for sure. He's an X factor. Yeah, so a uh, bunch of interesting guys. This roster has a lot of different guys. I think it's tough to pick which one. Um, yeah. Because you, you don't really well, we know. We don't know who's going to be yeah. where, especially like, I, mean, I don't know if we're talking starters or what, but uh, kind of that guard type role, we don't really know how that's going to shuffle yeah. out yet. You know? Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to maybe look back at our answers at this kind of once Big 12 season kind of rolls around uh, and kind of see how we thought things were going to be um, and how things are kind of playing themselves out as, you know, conference season is upon us. So we might have to do that. Um, next question, question number six, which newcomer this year are you the most excited for, Dustin? Lots of, lots of uh, names to choose from here. I think newcomer I'm most excited for, I think this is an easy pick. It's got to be Elijah Fisher. Yeah. I mean, your first five-star recruit you've ever had, five-star out of Canada. I don't know how we got that pipeline worked out, yeah. but we did. So, Love it. <laughs> uh, Elijah Fisher coming in. Will he start? Will he be your sixth man? Uh, we don't know the expectations and the role for him yet. Uh, is that that kind of second – guard spots pretty open after the point guard spot. So he could start for you. He could be off the bench, but I think him and his development um, makes him the most exciting. And he, he brings a lot of expectations with a B yeah. in that highly talented recruit. So I'm excited the most for Elijah Fisher. Yeah, that would have been my pick, but I'm going to throw out another name since you already <laughs> dove into that. I'm going to throw out Davion Harmon and kind of what we talked about yeah. earlier, a true point guard, a guy who's played lots of minutes at the Power 5 level, Oklahoma, Oregon, been in a lot of high-impact games. Um, I'm excited to see what this guy can do in a Red Raider uniform and what he can do with that point guard role, if he can take it, kind of make it his own. Uh, impact the game on offense and defense, um, create open shots. Like I th really think that's a game changer for this offense. And I really think this is kind of the piece we were missing last year is a guy like Devion Harmon who can go in there and really control things from that standpoint. So uh, that's why I'm going to pick that for me. I think obvious uh, Fardaz is an obvious answer. Um, just right at this time, we, we have to wait a while to yeah. see him. So I think, you know, we are trying sure. to go with players who are going to see here probably tomorrow night or tonight as you're listening to this. Um, so yeah. good one for that question. Let's go to question number seven and kind of staying on that. Um, Elijah Fisher talk team brings in some young guns this season, as we mentioned uh, all four of them earlier, earlier in the pod, uh, of course, CJ Williamson in there, but don't really expect much from him. 
Um, what are your expectations for the freshmen this season? And, and, and kind of what do you see the ceiling as, what do you see maybe some concerns, anything about this freshman group? Um, the concern is that this is the most freshman we're going to have to play for yeah. in a while. I mean, this is one of our youngest teams we've had. So it's going to be interesting to see how they have done in the summer and the off season um, to adapt to this system and, you know, just college ball and lot in general. But you have at least four guys as we listed there with Robert Jennings, Elijah Fisher, Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington, that have great chances to play and play a lot of minutes. Uh, they can kind of make their own minutes, you know, yeah. in this first month or two for themselves. So they got a big role to play on this team, obviously. So how they can, how fast they can come along, uh, especially before Big 12, 12 play starts, and how much they can hold up during that, because that's something they've never yeah. experienced in their life before. Like you know, the second half of the season gets incredibly difficult, and you know, there's never a day off. So I'm excited for them. They do bring a lot to you, being very high talented. So. High expectations, lots of minutes, but very exciting for them. Yeah, the concern is the consistency that they can perform with. Uh, do they get down on themselves? Do that? Does the minutes become a problem for them? We've we've seen sure. Namari Burnett came in here and was out quickly. So <laughs> I think you know freshmen often have a lot of expectations as they come into a season. Now, luckily for us, I think we, like you said, we're going to have to rely on these guys a lot. Like we need Elijah Fisher. We need to pop off. We need Lamar. We're going to need Robert Jennings. Um, And so they have huge roles to fill and just kind of what they, what they take and do with it is very exciting to me. Like this team can be so much better if all of them accept their roles and understand like from time to time, they're just going to have to go out there and going to play defense and they'll get their opportunities because Mark Adams, if we saw anything last year, he gave his players opportunities when it was time for them. And so they just got to wait and step up when those opportunities come. And with, you know, Fardaz being out for the first half of the season, there's going to be opportunities there for all of them. Um, there's going to be times when, when Davian Harmon's in, in foul trouble or something, and we're going to need pop pop to step up. Uh, there's going to be games where, Hey, this is, it's Eliza Fisher's game. And so, uh, I'm really excited for them because I really think they propel, they, they, they make your floor a lot higher than probably a lot yeah. of other teams in this conference's floors are because, um, just kind of the X factor that they can all be for you. Great They're point. such a wild card that you never know how freshmen are going to, going to perform at this level. So. Um, excited for this group, excited to see them, um, you know, roll it out there and get their first college basketball minutes on Monday night. Uh, speaking of Fardaz Amek, uh, we haven't really mentioned him yet. We'll dive into him here. Uh, of course, he was your probably biggest pickup of the offseason, the, oh, yeah. the biggest transfer, biggest big transfer that was out there. Uh, the Utah Valley transfer comes in uh, expecting a big role and then a course a foot injury kind of derails that but the reports are saying that he is expected to return um no later than big 12 season so he might get might be one of those things where he gets a couple games in there against lesser opponents right before big 12 conference starts uh to get him warm back in action but uh but dustin what are your expectations for fardaz amac once he returns uh from injury and what does it do for this team yeah, hopefully we don't rush him back yeah. just to get him ready for Big 12 play, especially big guys with foot injuries. Make sure he's healthy and doesn't get re-injured <clears throat> so we can have him for the 
the later stretch of the season, but he comes in with big expectations. I mean, he was highly recruited as a transfer, and everybody wanted him. He was the best big transfer out there, um, so we're glad he, he chose us. We've had a good good rapport with transfer bigs here uh, over the last handful of years, so I think that was easy kind of for him, but he's coming in as a really good player with averaging 19 points uh, and like 14 rebounds. Yeah, so double-double machine. I think our I think he brings you a lot, especially rebounding. He was he's bigger than I thought he was. I didn't realize he was like six eleven, um, and almost two fifty. So, yeah. I mean, him and Bacho combined, like man, we got some big bigs out there. So I'm excited for him. Uh, what he can bring you, he kind of seems like a mix of O'Banner and Ryson Williams from last year, yeah. a little more mid-range type game, but can rebound and play defense. So he also had a lot of blocks last year. I think he was their conference defensive player of the year. So, you know, Mark Adams is going to love that. Yeah. So I'm excited for him. He he definitely helps you in that, that middle spot and being able to rebound against these other teams because you're going to be a little smaller overall than what you have been in the past. So rebound is going to be a big focus, so he'll help you there. Yeah, you expect to clean up the glass with him and O'Banner and Bacho all kind of down there. And and there's some fun lineup opportunities. I would love to see him and Bacho out there on the court together and kind of what that looks like. I was like. listening to RC yesterday. He said, don't be surprised if we have all three of them on the court Ooh. at some time. Like, O'Banner's like your small forward type three. Yeah. And you have Fardos and Bacho. Oh, uh, Bacho. I think it could happen. I don't think it's a uh, go-to move. Right. But I think it'd be cool to see and the links on that would be incredible. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. The, the chance, the opportunity to do that, that's insane. But, I mean, there's obviously a lot of expectations for him. You, you kind of expect him to come and fill that Bryson Williams role. Um, like you yeah. said, he kind of has traits of him and O'Banner, but – I think the best part of Fardaz and and you know his injury might be a blessing in disguise because we have that piece that we can just hang over this team. Like even if it's kind of struggling through Maui, we're like, hey, this is, you know we get far, we don't have Fardaz yeah. yet. We're building. These other guys are learning and playing Ooh. and figuring things out, and maybe Bacho gets better, and then or maybe you know Kevin O'Banner uh, is great this this uh, you know non conference season, and you get to see kind of what these other guys can do. And then you knowing that once you get to December, you've got this huge piece who can definitely, you know, change the whole outcome of this season uh, by dropping him in there in late December. And now all of a sudden you're a completely different team as you head into conference play. Um, and, And you're that much better because all your players have grown and gotten better and kind of been faced with the fire. And now you get to add a guy who could be a potential all big 12 type player. So, I mean, I'm excited. It sucks that we do have to wait uh, to to yeah. watch him play, but I'm excited to see what what he can do for us offensively and defensively, and just kind of with that size. Uh, we just haven't had a player of his size like Bryson Williams was good, but Bryson Williams wasn't six eleven. Um, he also wasn't a good rebounder. Yeah, if you look at Bryson, he's a great offensive player, but uh, bright and decent defender, but. Wasn't the defender and rebounder that yeah. you're going to get here. Yeah, and to, to have a piece that's 6'11", who can score like Ooh. that and shoot the ball like that, but also play defense, rebound, clean the glass, all that good stuff. So, uh, I, you know, we all can't wait to see him put on that red and black and actually step onto the court. Yeah. It's going to be exciting times, and, and we'll have fun podcasts while we uh, before his first return uh, to the season. So excited for him. 
like we said, unfortunate, we have to wait. Uh, question number nine now, new coaching staff additions, Steve Green, Dustin's SPC, uh, you know, past uh, a co-worker, um, uh, <laughs> Al Pinkins, Luke Adams joined the staff this year. So what do you think about these additions and what do you think they add to the staff and to this team? I know we've we've yeah. had your whole uh, Steve Green thing, but for the people who might have not caught that. Yep. Yeah, so real quick, Al, Al Pekins makes his return back right. to this coaching staff. So he's a big addition uh, back to this crew. Uh, I'll let you kind of talk more about Luke, I think. And I think Steve Green coming in as your kind of quote-unquote offense coordinator is a huge addition. He is one of the best offensive masterminds um, in basketball, not just on the JUCO scene. He's already a JUCO Hall of Famer, won three national championships at SBC over a 10-year period out there. Um yeah, I've seen him go with teams scoring 100 plus points a game, shooting the ball as fast as you can, to winning games with 60 points, feeding the post, that kind of stuff. And all those teams won just as much as the other one. He is really good at using, utilizing his players' best attributes. You know, if they're not the Golden State Warriors and can't shoot it, well, he's not going to make them try to do that system. He's going to adjust the system to what his players can do. Um, and kind of make them excel and succeed um, in that role. And so I think he's he's going to be a great addition for us. And, you know, him and Coach Mark Adams have a great relationship from Coach and Juco back in the day at the same time against each other a little yeah. bit. So they have a good relationship, and I think that helps this also because the offense needs to be a little complementary to the defense that Adams wants to play. So – I think coach green can help make that work a little better than what we did last year. Yeah. I think, you know, Pinkins is obviously known for his recruiting and his ability to get some of those yeah. players. So that's really where you're going to feel his impact is, is who he's able to land and this team's able to land recruiting wise. I think Luke is going to be a big help on the Juco part of that. I don't really know what to expect from him. Like what, what he's actually doing, um, Right. Like is it defense? Is he helping with the offense? But you know, he he's had some success there at the JUCO level when he was at New Mexico yeah. Junior College. So he had some had some good runs there, uh, ranked teams. So you know, he's kind of already building his name as a coach, and, and of course, he's grown up under his dad, who is our head coach. When, so that's when not. He was at New Mexico JC. It seemed like he was more of the offensive, yeah, point point guard type when he was in college. No, yeah, uh, he was definitely a, a mentality point of a coach. Um, I think the Adams blood already just naturally has that defense in them. So yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit of both, but a little more offensive centric um, and great shooter. So I think he's helping your, yeah. your players there to learn how to shoot a little better. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you'll see his impact, but I, I, what I'm most excited about tomorrow night is just, can, can I, can you tell the differences that Steve green's already having on this offense? Because that's the big thing for this team. I think to take that next level jump is, like, obviously, yeah. the defense is going to be there. Uh, but can you have the offense to go along with that defense? Because if you can put the two of those together, like, you're going to be a really tough team to beat. If you can <laughs> if you can figure that out, it's going to be really tough to Pretty beat tough. you. And so I, I'm really curious to see what influences Steve Green has on this offense and and just the things that you can tell immediately night one uh, that are differences from, from last year to this year. And kind of as this early season starts, are you seeing us? 
shooting the ball better and uh, uh, creating more open shots and, and just finding ways of getting easy offense and not having to make it seem like every single possession is a fight just to get a shot off. So uh, I, I'm real excited yeah, for th- I think we'll, we'll be better yeah. about not going on droughts of five plus minutes yes. and can't score the freaking ball. Also, he's entertaining to watch on the bench because of how, like, I don't even know how to put it, but if you get a chance, watch him on the bench and how he reacts to some stuff. Yeah. Um, he's not like a flamboyant or outspoken guy. It's the total opposite, and it's hilarious to watch. Yeah, we'll have him and, him and Mark Adams with his arms folded on the sideline. And, and, uh, yeah, that's his move. Is like this one or like the double, like. <laughs> All right, we'll be – We'll be on Steve Green watch this season for reactions. Um, but yeah, excited for these coaches and, and what they're going to bring to the staff and can't wait to kind of see what it all looks like once it's out there on the court. Yeah. 10th question. And then we got a little bonus one, but the 10th question here, what do you see predicting starting lineup of game one? Kind of boring. What do you see the starting lineup yeah. being by the time we get to big 12 play Fardaz, Amax back healthy. Right. What do you think at this time? the starting lineup looks like. I think that's why we had to adjust this question because yes. obviously the big maple was on the sideline for now. So I think Fardaz and O'Banner are easily your, your two bigs, your four or five down there. Um, from what it sounds like all summer, Jalen Tyson is solidified as well. Yes. Um, we've talked about loving having a point guards. I think Davion Harmon controls that number one spot. And that second spot, that shooting guard type spot, is what's up in the air. Yeah, which I think is a good thing for us. Um, but you have a guy like Elijah Fisher that can do it. Pop Isaacs might even get in there. Um, you could put Lamar Washington even and go a little bigger. Um, at times, so I don't, I don't know where we yeah. go there. I was wondering um, where you were going to go because I'm like, I don't yeah, know where. I, think- I don't know how. Because I also I haven't really seen much like through Twitter or whatever, like of how practices are going of like, Oh, Elijah Fisher's yeah. development is so far ahead. Like I haven't really heard like updates of that. We haven't had the John Rothstein well embedded <laughs> moles in Lubbock. Say right. that. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think on that? On that fifth spot. Yeah, I don't know. Because like you said, I think the other four are pretty solidified. The only thing yeah. is if like Bacho's just having a crazy good season, would then maybe it's like, all right, maybe we got to bring Fardos off the bench once he gets back. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I think those are pretty guaranteed. I think I think it's between Fisher and 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 Isaacs. I think it's between Pop-Pop and Elijah. I, I think those are your two guys that yes. you're kind of – like you might see, you know, Elijah start at the start of the season. Then you might see Pop Pop come in later and just kind of whoever is having, back and yeah, forth just to see. Yeah. But whoever is kind of having the most consistent season for you probably wins that role, I think. And so at this point, I don't really know because that's so unknown. But for me, I think it's uh, for me, what I would like to see is Elijah Fisher. Because that shows me yeah. that he's he's buying in and he's playing really well if he earns that starting spot for you. So I think Yeah. I think that's and like, like we've seen over the that. years, like the starting role doesn't matter as much as the finishing right. roster. Like who's in the last four minutes of the game? And that's what's gonna be big. Um and that goes on just who's hot, not in foul trouble, kinda all that kind of stuff. And 
again, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would like to see Elijah Fisher be advanced in his yes. you know development enough to take that role. Cause I think that just train changes the, the outcome of the season. If like Elijah's really bought in and yeah. he's kind of that guy for you and he's being this, this top recruit and he's looking like it on the court, but at the same time, I'm not going to be mad if it's pop pop or Lamar Washington or one of these other guys. Cause it shows that, Hey, no, maybe they're filling that role for you too. So as long as he doesn't become a, what was that guard you mentioned earlier that flamed out real fast on us? Yeah. Uh, Namari Burnett. Yeah, as long as he didn't become another Namari Burnett and flame out before he even yeah. gets on the court pretty much. like As long as that doesn't happen, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, so uh, it's something to monitor. Definitely excited to see who's going to be starting to, uh, tonight as you guys listen to this. Ex- excited to see what our you know starting lineup for the first game of the season is going to be and, and just kind yeah. of how that develops over the season. Um, but a little bonus question. I hear bonus. we've got through our 10, but a little bonus question because it needs to be talked about. Three-point shooting, Dustin, was uh, god-awful last year, sometimes non-existent in some games, um, but kind of shows the testament of how good the team was defensively in some areas that you were still able to make it to the Sweet 16 while having a, a shitty shooting team. Um, kind of yeah. what are your expectations on, you know, the we've, we've talked about it a lot, adding a point guard, Steve Green, uh, some of these guys. But what do you think about – Adding guys like Kerwin Walton, Demarion Williams, some of these younger guys. What do you think the three-point yeah. shooting is going to be for this season? And and are you pretty confident that it's going to be much improved? Yeah, I like your mix of your bigs are skillful but can also play down low and outside. Like O'Banner can and Fardos can both shoot it. Uh, Botcho's even probably going to try to throw some up a little bit this year. But – I think your athleticism and your mix of guards, bigs, all that, your spacing is going to be way better this year. Um, And I also don't – I don't know this, but I feel like – I don't think you have a Terrence Shannon Jr. that's going to just have the ball stick in his hand really bad, Um, like that James Harden-type player that TJ was. So I think the ball movement and the ball spacing and your players – all help a lot, lot more and fit better than last year's team. I'm going to look and try to see like where, where we were last year. I mean, I expect this to be better, make more threes and have a better percentage. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me yet, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to look at this team and be like, oh yeah, they should shoot the ball better because last year I think you're coming in and you knew TJ was kind of a streaky three-point shooter. You knew McCuller was a streaky three-point shooter. Uh, most of the other guys that you were getting weren't guys who were taking volume threes, really. Um, you knew Davion Warren was a scorer, but he was at a small school where he had to do a lot of that stuff. Arms wasn't Arms wasn't known as a three-point shooter. Bryson was like your kind of Bryson and O'Banner were your two he guys who came on. in that you were like, yeah, they can shoot. Um, but I don't think anybody predicted Bryson Williams being your best three-point shooter last season. So you I don't want that either. I think you bring in a lot of guys who can who can shoot. Like Davion Harmon's gonna be able to knock down buckets. Demarion Williams has a sweet shot. Um Jalen Tyson, a guy who can who should be able to score all three levels for you. Kerwin Walton, a career forty uh, above forty percent career three point shooting. Um, other guys, your freshmen have been known to shoot. They've been shooting the ball well their whole lives. Elijah Fisher, Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington. Um, those guys are going to uh, stretch the floor for you. But like you said, it's it all starts with the spacing, the ball movement, and and ultimately being able to get those open looks and and get a lot more of them.
um, and having guys that you trust to shoot them. So I think you got a handful of guys that you trust more shooting those threes uh, than you did last year. I don't know. I'm on, I'm going through stats and we're not in the top 150 on percentage <laughs> from last year. Yeah, no, we're, we're gotta be like bottom, bottom 250 or below or something like that. We're not at the 200 mark. Yeah, <laughs> and this is at, this is at 33 and a half percent is number 200. <sighs> Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It was brutal. Just couldn't trust it. But, you know, you had like a couple games where he caught hot from three and is usually like one of those games where a banner was making four or five threes for you and he's back. So, um, yeah, it's just the ball movement was really bad and the offense got really stagnant and it became guys just having a jack of a three late in the shot clock. And if you're able to get open looks like you just got to think that it's going to be much better this year, especially with the guys you've got on the team much better shooters, uh, gifted scores, And so I think that's definitely something that to be excited about. And then yeah. hear those guns up three balls from Jeff Haxton on the radio and uh, get those three balls and those uh, in the stadium. I mean, to be, be in the top 100, you got to shoot at least 35%. I think we can do that. <laughs> I think you should be, I think you should be over that this season. My, that would be my prediction is that you shoot over 35% this season. I would say, I would say like really good would be like significantly better. 38% like that. You can be at that 37, 38 kind of clip as a team. That's really good. I mean, that gets you, that gets you top 25. If you're shooting that. Okay. Maybe, maybe I should, I don't know. I don't know. I would like to be at that 37, 38 range. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Why not? So I mean, Utah Valley is in there at 37. Yeah. So there, it's possible. You can be that. You have guys who can shoot the ball this year, um, and, and that's that's a key. That's a key <laughs> attribute to have if you want to shoot the ball well is you got to have guys who have always been good shooters. You can't just ask guys who weren't good shooters before to all of a sudden be great shooters. So those wrap up our 10 questions. Went a little long, but the basketball season is here, and we have been excited to talk about it. So I wanted to dive all into that, get you your crash course in everything basketball. Uh, before you head to the USA tonight to watch or before you head home, turn on ESPN Plus uh, to watch us face off with Northwestern State in the first game of the season. Dustin, any last thoughts you have on this basketball team and this basketball season? Oh, very excited. Good luck, guys. Yeah, very excited. Very excited to be at the USA tomorrow night, uh, watch the season tip off and see what this team, all the exciting moments and stuff this team provides for us this season. Uh, in much need of that right now as football's kind of gotten a little disappointing. But that'll do it for this episode as we have recapped TCU, previewed our basketball team. Check out our episode later on this week where we preview Texas Tech uh, versus Kansas uh, as Kansas comes to town after making uh, a bowl eligibility for the first time in who knows how long. So uh, with all that said, make sure you're following us on Apple and on Spotify to Catch what we're doing every week through the football and basketball season. Give us those five stars, five stars for the tailgate. Follow us on social media at tailgate underscore talks on Twitter. Uh, also on Facebook and Instagram. Also give that YouTube channel a follow as well to keep up with the videos that we're posting on there. Uh, thanks for listening to our TCU recap and our basketball preview. We will catch y'all at the next tailgate. Peace.